1: Twenty minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Tuesday, August 23rd,
2: 2022. Everybody, welcome to the Pack-A-Day Podcast, the final Pack-A-Day Podcast for this group during the preseason i have my entire group this week ross uglum is with me and since he is a loyal and good friend that allows me to come to things i'm going to let him talk first ross anything interesting happen what do you mean well, i don't know i just i mean we've got like a random trader back in the room i just is there anything you'd like to to add to this to this conversation
1: oh i've spoken my piece and i was accused of either libel or slander whichever one has spoken uh, so I've, I've had a conversation with my attorney and I, I'm not going to address, uh, the, the situation that may or may not have allegedly occurred, uh, last weekend. And we're just going to move forward and, uh, Jake's going to try to do better. That was our agreement.
2: Well, my understanding is that it is not libel or slander in order for that to be true. The things would have to be lies. And since yeah. these are not lies, we welcome the liar, uh, of this group to the show (laughs) and that is jacob morley and jacob after last week uh with jordan love's performance i have to ask something you said earlier in our chat pants check
3: stop okay (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you let me tell you jackasses what actually happened a couple weeks ago oh you're calling the
2: listeners jackasses No, because we know what happened. I
3: love our listeners. I'm talking to you two dingus, ding guy. So, (laughs) is that a word? Plural of dingus. It is is now. Uh, Attorneys General. Yes. Uh, (laughs) So, Ross, I invited, and, and granted, you guys have been married. You know how the bachelor party thing works. I didn't plan anything, I didn't pay for anything. I just told my friends, I want to go to a lake in Minnesota and I just want to float on a boat and drink beer for three days. And so my friend Aaron, who you mentioned last week, Ross, who you know as well, that was the plan. Um, Late in this plan, because obviously they don't know who you are, but I do, it came to mind, like, dude, the Packers play. That would be fun to get Ross out and watch the game with my pal Ross. Uh, Objection. Who is they
1: that doesn't know who I am?
3: Well, all. All my well, okay, so Tate knows who you are, and Swanson knows who you are, but there was like ten other guys there, Ross. Now, so two okay, so two okay, so two guys I knew you were, that. Ross. You're shadow banned on Twitter. How could they know who you are? Okay, uh, so any anyways, Ross was invited to come out to a bar with us to watch said Packers game because Aaron just moved into a new house. Didn't have internet or a TV at the time. So the only way we were going to be able to watch it was at a bar. So Ross suggested a bar close to him, mind you, which would have been a trek for all of us to go out towards Ross. Okay. Turns out Aaron got internet and television the day before we moved in. So I texted my good pal, Ross Uglum, and said, Hey, there's no point in moving this bachelor party of 11 drunk mostly drunk dudes towards you so you can come to us a shorter drive for you and I said Ross maybe you just need to come here to Aaron's one person moving instead of
1: 12. Let's let's be clear Uh, this place that I suggested was about 80% of the way towards them and 20% of the way towards me but continue counselor.
3: It wasn't even on the same lake Ross it was a different lake. What are you talking about? The place you wanted to go to was on the lake that Ross has a cabin on. We were on a different lake in Minnesota. So Ross said, "Hey, why don't you all move the party to me?" And then when he said, "No, how about you come to us?" Ross said, "No," broke my heart. And then he slandered me on this very podcast. And, and
2: I just, and, I just and, want to point out throughout this entire. Ended up at a bar anyway. Right. We did. So we through did this up entire up. portion of bachelor party gate, you have only mentioned Ross and not once have you addressed the fact that I also <coughs> was not invited to these festivities. And you claimed after the fact that I had a standing invitation to which Ross so eloquently put last week, the only thing better than a standing invite is a real one. So that's where well. I'm going to leave that. And <laughs> we are going to move forward. <laughs> this nightmare, this saga is behind us and a potential nightmare and Saga that is also behind us is David Bakhtiari yeah, good and his injury way. issue at this point. I'm two for two. Last good week I had a good one. Like too. Man, so, good. Bakhtiari, knee injury, you guys know the deal. He hasn't played in an entire year long enough for people on the internet to say he got his payday and stopped caring about football, even though he played for six more weeks after the fact. But whatever, I digress. That's not really the point. David Bakhtiari comes off. He physically unable to perform list after the Packers' last preseason game against the New Orleans Saints, which starts leading to questions. Is he going to be ready for week one right now? If I had to bet on that, I would say probably not. But, you know, I don't know. Matt LaFleur isn't going to tell me. I just texted him earlier. He didn't respond yet. So I'm sure he's, you know, going to get to that when he has some time. But we don't know what the case is going to be, when Bakhtiari is going to be ready. What we do know is he's practiced at least the last two days. No setbacks, knock on wood, that we are aware of as of yet. That's a positive thing because last year he would practice, then not for a while. Then he would play. He played once and then didn't, obviously, in the playoffs, not too far after that fact. And then you got LaFleur just being weird and coy about the whole thing. So it sounds like, Mr. Morley, that we're well, starting to get to a point where this is behind us.
3: I I think you, you would hope, right? And I think if you listen to yesterday's uh, pod. Andy Herman made a really good point just talking about, hey, he's been out for, I think it was like 585 days. Is that something crazy like that? It gets to a point where you are just like, hey, sink or swim. Like, we're going to throw you out there. It's Nothing's really changing with the knee. It kind of is what it is. We're going to let you get out there and kind of figure it out. I think the really positive news is that he practiced day one and had no setbacks that is probably the most encouraging thing in this whole situation that he was able to get out there as coach LaFleur said on the grass and, and get his work in and be able to come back, get checked out. You know, there's presumably no swelling issues with the knee, no soreness with the knee. So I think that in itself is a huge hurdle for him to get over. And obviously those are hurdles he's going to have to continue to get over day in and day out. And, you know, come week eight is week eight, 10, 12, whatever it is, when he strings 10 or 12 games together where he has no issues, that's probably when I'm going to finally feel like, Hey, he's, he's fully back. He's it's behind him. Right. Like, cause this thing could still with the mess it was last year could still be a two week thing where all of a sudden, Hey, he's got a setback. You've got to shelve him for four to six weeks. I hope that is not the case. I, everyone hopes that's not the case, but that is kind of where I'm at with him, where it's like I we need to now see it for an extended period of time.
2: Yeah, and it, and it's in my opinion this was the biggest storyline coming into camp because this is an injury you can very easily argue has cost the Packers the last two seasons, and I don't ever want to like guarantee they would have won a Super Bowl, but they probably could have gone at minimum. Like I think they beat Tampa Bay if Bakhtiari can play. It probably beat San Francisco if Bakhtiari is able to go. Like, there's just – there's so much surrounding it, and I'm just thankful that hopefully it's behind us, like you said. And, you know, not to get too business-like about it, but the Packers are paying David Bakhtiari a lot of money, and paying a lot of money to somebody who just physically cannot play is a massive sunk cost at this team. Obviously, you know, that's one of the risks when you do the way the Packers have done their contracts over the last couple of seasons. But like you said – He hasn't had a setback. The hope is that he won't have any setbacks and the Packers are able to move forward and Bakhtiari is able to move forward as they're starting left tackle, which leads me to the next conversation, which kind of emerged from, oh, Bakhtiari's back. So let's kind of have this conversation because I think a lot of fans and media like we're kind of doing the whole cautious optimism thing and just saying, I'm not going to count on Bakhtiari playing until he's actually healthy. And then now that he is, we're talking about, best five combinations and everything like that. So David Bakhtiari is going to play left tackle. Josh Myers is going to play center if everyone is healthy. After that, it's kind of been up for debate after the fact. So Ross, I'm going to let you start here because the church of Zach Tom is in session. So please lead the way.
1: Yeah. um, You know, I I made kind of a little bit of a David Bakhtiari comp when they took Zach Tom. Um, You know, shorter guy, obviously, I think both of those Guys are sub six five, um, but both elite, elite pass blockers. Uh, I actually think Tom is a little bit further along in the run blocking game. Not that he's elite by any stretch, but like Bakhtiari really struggled with that as a rookie, and, and I haven't seen Tom struggle to that degree. But I, I fourth round picks. I mean, I can go on and on. Freak athletes. You know, they 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 kind of have similar. Uh, parts of their game specifically the one where their ass is always pointed at the quarterback, which is what he want. Um, it's, it's, it's a very important part of pass protection. And, uh, he, he's really, I think shown that he can be counted on. And specifically they worked him into that right tackle role. Um, I think he's ahead of, of Sean Ryan, but as, as folks have mentioned, you know, Sean Ryan, um, Comes from a very college scheme, uh, you know. I, I think it was a left tackle that's now being asked to play right guard. It's a little bit different. I don't think there's any reason to panic uh, in regards to Sean Ryan, but Zach Tom's just ahead of where he is right now, and looks like he's a viable NFL tackle. And if he is, they should have him out there.
2: Yeah, they should, and that's where you know my thought on who's the best five when you start talking about it that way. <clears throat> Well, like you mentioned, David Bakhtiari, Josh Myers, those guys' spots are set. They talked today about how Zach Thomas played kind of all over the place. He's played right tackle, he's played left guard, he's played right guard. We talked last week about having some concern about Tom's ability to potentially play guard in the short term. So that's where you know my thought on it was, and here's you know kind of my take, and I'll let you guys go through yours, is Bakhtiari plays left tackle. Then you have Myers, like I mentioned. And then the way I would do it, which I don't think they will ever do because you're asking John Runyon to change at this point in camp. And I don't think they would do that, but I would have my right side with Runyon and Zach Tom and put Elton Jenkins back in as the left guard. And I think what you do there is you add one, a dominant side of your offensive line. We've seen Elton Jenkins have an all pro full season at left guard with all due respect to his ability at tackle. We haven't seen him do that for a full season. Some of that because of an injury that we have last year. So you can say that I'm nitpicking, but that's fine. Having Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins on the left side, assuming both are able to return to form, which I am making some assumptions on that at this point, is having a dominant blind side for your quarterback, who is, call it what it is, guys. He's an older quarterback. He's aging. And on third and one, I know I can run behind those guys. Elton's going to move somebody. Bakhtiari can move people. And then you have that group of those three guys on the left side with Josh Myers, and able to move guys. Runyon to me is a solid starter. He's played some right guard before. He's been plugged in there in emergency duty, albeit. And then Zach Tom, you just kind of let him get comfortable at right tackle. I know the conversation that surrounds Jenkins is well, you're going to pay him as a tackle, so you might as well play him at tackle. I don't really care about that that much. I know some people do, and I'm sure one of you guys will say something to me about it, but I don't really care about that. They're going to pay him. Either way, and then eventually, what? If a couple guys get hurt, he's never going to be able to move back inside because, all his salary dictates that he plays tackle now. Forget that. For this year specifically, maybe he is the long-term right tackle of the future. Maybe he's not. We don't know. But what I would do, I'd build a dominant side of that line instead of hoping that, like last year, what they did with the guards is they kind of went with a couple of hunches. They were hoping that Runyon could be solid enough. They liked Lucas Patrick, which seems like a guy – that most coaching staffs in the National Football League are going to like. And then eventually with Royce Newman as well. So I think that when you do that, you plug everybody in almost perfectly. Yosh Nyman becomes a really good swing tackle from that standpoint. Jake Hansen, Royce Newman, those guys can be kind of your swing interior types. Hansen really is a backup center. And it reduces, just in my opinion, the take of playing musical chairs along the offensive line, which personally, I hate it when the Packers do that. They haven't seemed to care that much about having to do stuff like that. But morally, that's my five. And I have already kind of set up the, the idea. They're not going to do that. So I'm not the head coach. Thank whoever you pray to that I'm not. But what is the way that you would line them up?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data,
1: I mean,
3: I, I I get what you're saying though too. Like, hey, let's put two all pros next to each other on the left side and just be be solid with it. Just be fine with it. And as far as paying Elton, he's one of the best offensive linemen in football, and he's going to get paid that way, regardless of where he plays. And he's going to be right. More
2: didn't more the didn't the Colts play pay Quentin Nelson quote unquote like a tackle?
3: Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and-
2: so, who cares? That's right. my take. Who cares? He's
3: not good. He's not going anywhere. He deserves every penny he's going to get. Um, and and it's gonna be with the Packers. But I think that there's a case to be made, and I've heard people make this case, and I, I get it. Uh, when you talk about, hey, the two most important positions probably on your offensive line is left tackle and right tackle. Your two best tackles on the football team are David Bacciari and Elton Jenkins. So why would you not play those guys at left tackle and right tackle? I get that. I really do. And um, I think that's what the Packers probably will do, and I think the other thing that we all agree on, but maybe the Packers don't right now, is Zach Thomas is one of their best five offensive linemen. So to me, it, you look at Elton Jenkins, and and I mean, I think he can he can be an All Pro at all five spots. So and I and I, I, I don't I'm not just saying that I truly believe that that if he gets to you put him anywhere. Any five spots on the offensive line, he stays healthy for 17 games. He's going to be knocking on or in the conversation or through the door on the all-pro combo. So uh, with him, it's kind of like a wild card where you can put him wherever you want and say, hey, that position is going to be really, really good. So what I would do is, and this is me, I'd put you know is obviously your left tackle. I think John Runyon Jr. should just stay at left guard and continue to grow there. Love the strides he made last year with a full healthy season, and I think he continue can continue to get better. Um, I think Myers is going to be a stud if he can stay healthy at center. So what I would do on the right side is looking at it through the lens of I can play Elton wherever and he's going to be near all pro level. I just think Zach Tom would be a better right tackle than he would guard. So I would keep him at right tackle and put Elton at right guard. And just kind of spread my assets out across that offensive line, having my an all pro on the left, all pro on the right, with two really nice young pieces to develop. Now the question is: so you do you see Zach Tom as your potential right tackle of the future and beyond? And if the answer to that is yes, then I guess Elton just stays at guard. But man, what a good problem to have too. And I just think I think that five to me. Sound stronger than Elden at right tackle and Zach Tom at right guard. Just because I don't know what Tom is going to have at guard. And I, you go back to the Packers talking about wanting to get bigger on the interior offensive line when they drafted Josh Myers last year, who is a massive center. Zach Tom is not a massive guard. He He looks, I think Ross, you've mentioned it. Other people have mentioned, he's built like a tight end. He's he's a big athletic looking guy. He looks like he belongs more on the outside on an island. And I think that's his best position is right tackle. Um, So that's how I would do it left to right. Um, Ross, I don't think you probably agree with either Jacob or I. So that's why this conversation is super fascinating um, that there are so many different ways that they could go with this.
1: I don't even understand what you're talking about. Like, you've stolen my take. You the, you, you just gave my take. Huh. I, I tweeted this, as guess you mentioned. It, you guess know, my, nobody
2: way. saw it, though, so it didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, nobody saw it. Guess but, it's my take now.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I even said, hey, Jacob, next time just press the retweet button.
2: Yeah, I didn't see that. I guess I just I didn't know who you were, so – I didn't see it either. So as far as, I mean, again, did it really happen? No. Do we need to, uh, um, we
3: need to, we need to start the campaign, free Ross? But I'm with free you Ross. guys,
1: or I'm not with you guys. I'm with you, Jake. I mean, my so my thought is like we always talk about Josh sitting right and wiping your ass with the other hand. Well,
3: Elton hmm. wipe. I think that's overrated. I think that I think that quote gets blown out. Of oh, context. I don't. I do. I think if, I think Elton Jenkins can do it. Maybe he's just better than Josh.
1: I think he can too, but that's my point is like Elton has played center. Elton has played right tackle that he, he knows how to play. And I know that center is literal center, but like he understands how to play at, on the right hand side of the offensive line.
2: Yeah. He's literally wiped his ass, like with his elbow, with as many positions. that, That doesn't matter.
1: So you got John Runyon, a college left tackle playing left guard who played a ton of left guard last year. And then you've got your your all pro left tackle. If I'm if I'm going to, quote unquote, stress somebody, it's not going to be the and I'm going to use like Madden ratings. It's not going to be like my 76 overall left guard. It's going to be my guy that's a 95 overall at all five spots. That's. That's who I'm going to stress out. That's who I'm going to move. I'm going to have Elton Jenkins play right guard. I'm going to not move running. I'm going to not move Bach. I'm going to not move Josh. And Zach Thomas played right tackle, even though I think he's – honestly, I think he's a natural left tackle. But I think from a team-building aspect, they've played Caleb Jones and Yosh Nyman there all preseason – Because they actually want to get a look at Zach Tom at right tackle. And they actually want to rep Zach Tom at right tackle. So so that's where I'm at with it. Man, if I'm if I'm asking one guy to move, it's Elton. Elton is who I'm going to put where I'm weak. Or not even weak, but I mean, like, that's who I'm gonna have answer the bell. Um, you know what but if if all five guys are healthy, I would honestly be absolutely shocked if it's not. Elton at right tackle, Bach at left tackle, and from left to right inside, Runyon Myers-Royce. And I don't agree with it, but I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah. And I think
3: you remember back to Bakhtiari his rookie year, he basically won over the coaching staff playing right tackle until Bulaga blew his knee out at family night. And then they switched him to left tackle. and He just has never moved since. So, You know, some of these guys, you know, maybe some of these guys do struggle to wipe their ass with their different hand. And maybe some of these guys have bidets and they don't need to wipe their ass at all and they can just play all five spots. You know, like I think that's what that's what Elton Jenkins is. You know, like he can just absolutely play wherever because he is just that dude. And honestly, Zach Tom, to an extent, has kind of been that way too. his his in this camp. They continue just to put him places and he continues to answer the bell. Um, he is kind of a baby Elton when you think about that. Like he's just not someone that seems to get flustered by anything, and that's something you really like with your offensive line. Um, but man, if even if they go with that route with Royce at right guard, I think that they can still be a really good offensive line with those two bookend tackles. So it will be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, but as we all, as we all have talked about, we do all worship at the church of Adam Stenovich. So um, he's going to be a guy that can if he's going to get that offensive line ready, if they don't do anything weird like they did in the playoff game last year, which I think he's probably learned from. Uh, I, I'm just I'm excited to see a group stay together and not get, you know, not hopefully have to deal with injuries. And if they, you know, good Lord, if they could just keep their stud offensive lineman healthy, how far can this team go? Yeah,
2: I'll be interested to see on that. The other reality of the offensive line is, You know, one of the things about we always talk about that 2014 group, which, of course, was you know Bakhtiari, Sitton, Corey Lindsley, TJ Lang, and then um, Brian Balaga. Something we talk about with that group was how Balaga missed one game and that was it. And then that whole group played 16 together and just how special and rare, frankly, that that was. And that's the reality of what we're talking about is we're talking about Zach Tom and Jake Hansen and Royce Newman. uh, Them do all Yosh Nyman, probably even too. Those dudes are going to play. Like all of the last year, I think the Packers played all 10 offensive linemen that they rostered at some point. Like they pulled up Ben Braden from the practice squad. I know he played at some point. Jake Hansen got a few reps here or there. Yosh Nyman was their third left tackle. He played Dennis Kelly started like, it's just a position that always goes through attrition. You can never have, it's like the old adage in baseball, like you can never have too many starting pitchers because you're just never going to use the same five guys all season. It's the same in the NFL with offensive linemen. You can never have too many of them. And that's a big reason why Brian Gutekunst keeps, he's drafted three offensive linemen in the draft each of the last three years. And there's a reason for that. And they'll probably keep, you know, three or four on the practice squad. I think the practice squads are up to 16 now. You know, when we do the final cut down here in a couple of weeks, everybody's going to be worried about which receiver and, defensive back and stuff like that, maybe make it through to the practice squad. The Packers, I know, and one of those names, like you mentioned, Morley, is probably Caleb Jones because that's a big, big guy who's played pretty well mm-hmm. in in preseason action, and he's, he's a project. He couldn't start right now. Like if Green Bay had to start him, there would be a problem. But a guy like that, teams will take flyers on dudes like that all the time, and that's why, like, the Packers or teams in general, if you have to pick between a big guy and a little guy more often than not, you're picking the big guy because those are the guys that teams are going to scoop up. Cause you know, the old Ted Thompson adage, they only made so many guys that can do and move like that. So that's the case with the offensive line. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Like Ross said, I do expect Royce Newman to be the right guard. I tweeted during the game on Friday, you know, coaches, the coaches are smarter than I am. Adam Stenovich, Matt LaFleur, all those guys, they're smarter than I am. No question about it. So what do I know? But Zach Tom is a better player than Royce Newman, in my opinion, at, at this stage of, of their careers. But, We'll see what happens. Hopefully what I'm saying right now for week one, all I'm asking for is that it not be the right side of Jake Hansen and Royce Newman playing right guard and right tackle respectively. Just that group's not going to move anybody in the run game. And I think Zadarius Smith would eat Jake Hansen for lunch, quite frankly, but that's the case there guys. We're going into the last preseason game. Uh, Matt LaFleur talking today said he was undecided, about whether the starters were going to play in the final in the preseason finale, Rasul Douglas then later says, "As far as he knows, the plan is for them to play." Uh, let me get this out of the way, guys, because I know this is a hot button issue every year, or at least every year since Lafleur took so, took over. It certainly feels like it is one. Don't play them. Don't play them. Uh, it's just like yeah. I don't. I don't care to see. The risk is not worth the reward. Everybody points to last year saying the guys didn't play and Green Bay got smoked in the first game of the season. And I understand the thinking or how somebody could come to that conclusion that they are related. But the reality is, to me, that was a weird situation, a weird game They got moved. Green Bay got punched early and just kind of never really responded. It was almost like a snowball. The old Shane Falco, quicksand analogy. One thing goes wrong and then another and another and another and another. And that's how that went. And the year prior, they didn't play preseason games at all. There were no joint practices, nothing. And they hung 40 on the Vikings on opening day and won that game. I know the final score was close, but they won that game rather handily. So I'm just not concerned. And the Packers, I think I did the math earlier. They're like seven and one in their last eight season openers. And they don't play that much in the preseason. So everyone to be like, they need to get their reps and be strong. I just don't buy that. So you guys both laugh. Does anybody think they should play?
3: No, I don't. I think they did their due diligence last year uh, looking at that game. And, hey, like, could have we have done anything different? And I think, like you just said, the risks far outweigh the rewards. So just don't play them. They'll be fine. And even, you know what, it's a 17-game season. Even if they do lose in the first week again, they still won, what, 13 games last year?
1: Yep. They'll figure it out. I think that Jordy injury scarred
2: them. And understandably so though, like honestly, yeah. like that was not worth the, the Packers that year even kind of departed from what they'd done. Cause under McCarthy, they didn't play as much as they were, but they kept talking about this. They need to get off to a fast start because they want that NFC championship game in green Bay instead of Seattle. Like it was the year prior. And like, the fast start wasn't the reason that – or a slow start wasn't the reason they didn't have an NFC championship game. They tricked off a game in Buffalo against a crappy Bills team. That's why that game was in Seattle instead of – it. so that injury, maybe it scarred me too. And maybe that's why you guys hear me like this. But I see no purpose. And I know the counter argument to some of it is like, well, Rodgers needs to get reps with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. It's like doing that against a Kansas City defense that won probably sucks and two isn't going to do any <laughs> and isn't going to do anything that like Steve Spagnuolo would normally do in a game that's not going to do anything for those guys like they're going to gain there's going to be growing pains there's going to be ups and downs they could play every second of the preseason and those things were going to happen in the regular season i just see no purpose any other thoughts before we move on to something more useful okay we can move on from that one name that came out interesting today from from my thought here is the discussion of Kenyon Drake. And I know he was released by the Raiders or he's going to be released by the Raiders and just kind of the concept running back, not really a position that green Bay needs uh, to add. And I I mean, a third running back at this point is probably a luxury. However, you start talking about a guy that could maybe add something to the offense, BJ Goodson, uh, or excuse me, Tyler Goodson. Wow. BJ Goodson. There's a blast from the past. Tyler Goodson showed some good things. Kylan Hill is injured and, there's been basically no update on him as far as coming off the PUP list there. But is that something Jake that interests you at all? Or am I just thinking like, Hey, this would be fun to do in Madden. And that's why I'm thinking Mm -hmm. it now.
3: I think the only thing that's interesting is the fact that he's returned kicks for Passaccia, but I, man, I'm, I'm in the camp of, give me, give me AJ, give me Aaron Jones and let Amari be my third running back and and give me an extra receiver. That's what I would want to do. While you have while you while you have, the Kylin Hill, in your back pocket as he's getting healthy, that's what I would
2: do. Counterpoint: like, Amari Rogers may not be good at football.
3: Uh, maybe, but you know, <laughs> whatever, <laughs>
1: it's fine. Then don't. Our running backs good at football.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Do, do they matter? Yeah, they any position anybody that says a position quote unquote doesn't matter. I just think that's a ridiculous.
3: I think, uh, but when you have okay, so when you have it's it's me,
2: I'm
1: ridiculous.
2: Yeah, you're, and you're not (laughs) alone. You're not the only person who says that. But like, it's kind of like pointing out: was the Packers offense better with Aaron Jones on the field than Jamal Williams? Yes. So, like, they matter to some degree, then, don't they?
1: I mean, they also won a title with James Starks and Brandon Jackson. Like, I. Whatever I, I
3: they, they they do they probably don't win that title though. James Starks doesn't come out of nowhere in the playoffs and be awesome. So
1: yeah, maybe maybe.
3: I just, had all, he had one he shot, like shot really Ross's, good game in the playoffs. So. This is why you're shadow ban. You have terrible taste. I, uh,
1: I think I just man like I I like enough of Patrick Taylor, Kylan Hill, and Tyler Goodson to not talk about any any veteran back that isn't like an unretiring James White. (laughs) And and that's just, that's just about his ability to catch passes and really be a huge problem for other teams in the past game. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm all good on, on any. Are, uh, are
3: are the practice squad rules still the same where you can bring up a guy They they are, right? I think, I think you go, I I mean, that's, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they did that because one, When Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are healthy, why the hell would you give any other running back run, right? And then two, keep just Amari. And then if one does go down, you have Amari that can get you probably through a game, and then you stash one of Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson on the practice squad, and you have them in your back pocket as well as as Kylan Hill. Like, I just think, yeah, I think the veteran running back, like, it it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me other than, like, if you just really think Kenyon Drake is going to put you over the top, as a kick returner, and with the way the special teams have gone for the Packers, maybe they do. Maybe they're just like whatever. We're all in on special teams. We want a veteran back there returning kickoffs, which would be, you know, which would be a, a U turn essentially in how they've done things in the past year. But maybe they need to take that U turn on special teams. So I don't know, man. Uh, as far as running back, I'd be way out. But as far as a kick returner, maybe.
2: Yeah, and that was one of my thoughts because somebody has to be done anything on special teams, and he has returned kickoffs in college and in the NFL. But it was a name, obviously name value at this time of year, kind of adds some spice to the rest of the quote-unquote off season before we get into uh, the regular season here. So, guys, go ahead, Jake.
3: Speaking of kick returners, though, do they really need one? Because they have All-American kick returner Christian Watson off the PUP, who is getting – what, is he getting comp to Randy Moss again? Did I, did I see that on my Twitter Twitter timeline again? Randy Moss. He... Mossing
1: someone is a verb.
3: Nope. Nope. I think someone said he's gonna be Moss his rookie year. That's what I heard. That's all I saw. But no, yeah, it is a verb, Ross. You're right. Thanks for throwing water on the fire. But also, coming out of the draft process, I do want to reiterate and Ross, you probably know what coach this is that said this in the Missouri Valley football conference, but just talked about how Christian Watson was Essentially, the scariest player they had to game plan for since Randy Moss. So I just thought it was interesting that. Mark uh, Farley. Who's that? You and I, Northern Iowa. That's you. you okay. So that's who you, I, I figured you knew who said that. But yeah. So that's. I just thought it was interesting that uh, the Moss talk came, was around. And I know it's, it sounds ridiculous as I'm saying this out loud to compare anybody to Randy Moss. I get that. But he has that type of physical ability, and uh, I I am giddy. I am giddy. And we were talking about pants checks before I had to defend my honor about the bachelor party, and uh, I got real excited when I
2: saw that tweet today. That's just all I'm going to say. Well, there you have that, and I am going to be excited to see how that goes if Watson plays. Thursday night. Uh, I'm hopeful that he does, obviously, because, you know, it's like we've talked about before the preseason, it's kind of a free roll before he's got to play in a regular season game that counts. And we'll see what kind of role they have, if any, for him, uh, especially early. I know the easy, the early discussion is, well, he should be able to displace, you know, the, the three veterans, but that's just not a likely scenario at this point. But we'll see. I've been wrong before. We'll talk about a few different things that uh, Watson does hopefully here coming into uh, the regular season, but out of time for this episode, guys, we were going to uh, try and keep her short today, but then we started talking and then, you know, that, that tends to happen, but be sure to check us out at Packaday podcast on Twitter. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow Morley. He's at Jacob Morley and you can follow Ross. You'll never see it, but you can try and follow Ross. He's You're at mobile alerts, turn on mobile alerts and see what happens, but you can follow him. He's at, Ross Uglum uh, on Twitter as well. We're out of time for this week. We'll see you guys next week when the preseason is officially over and the Packers will be moving toward uh, what we all hope is a 14th world championship. Uh, Should be interesting to see what happens. See you guys next week and go pack. Go.